0: another thing and another thing
1: and another thing and another thing welcome to another episode of and another thing the podcast that continues to set the bar in the world of podcasts my name is Jody Jenkins
2: my name is Tony Clement
1: and Tony, I'm going to be honest right now. I'm not feeling great. Uh, battling. I, sickness. I wondered whether you
2: wanted to uh, mention that on the air. You could tell tell yep. folks what you're going through. Battling, yeah,
1: battling sickness, and uh, it may lend itself for me to be a little bit more um, sarcastic than normal tonight.
2: Oh no, so, not more sarcastic.
1: I'm, I'm feeling I'm feeling edgy. Okay. And, uh, yeah, but no, I'm I'm bouncing back. Started on Wednesday night, fever headache, sore body. <laughs> Sound like Those, anything you've no, heard
2: of? <laughs> that sounds like something I know of. Yes. Uh, I haven't had it myself, but. Uh, but
1: I haven't, I'm not doing a test. So. Okay. I'm uh, I'm just going to roll with the punches here, but. Uh, but I'm not, trying to, make, I'm not trying to
2: make light of it, but I'm not trying to make light of it, but your family's okay and they're doing great.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Kids are all fine. That's what, that's what. It's always so amazing. Again, I can't, I don't know if it is COVID because I haven't gotten a <laughs> test, but. You know, you would think that my kids, like I have three young kids. You think my wife, they would like nothing, like no symptoms or anything. So I don't know. You just never know. But yeah. Well, the the good
2: wants to send you a lesson, I guess. I don't know.
1: (laughs) I don't think so. I just... uh... Anyway, so I say all that to uh, just warn you in advance of uh, okay. of my demeanor tonight. Or I might just be so tired I might not even say anything. You <laughs> might,
2: might not, not give a care. I get it. Okay. Yeah, exactly.
1: So, Anyway, each week this show is brought to you by the team at Municipal Solutions. John Mutton and the crew uh, have sponsored this program since day one. We wouldn't be on the air without them. Uh, so we certainly are appreciative of their support. And Tony, I know that uh, you can share a little bit more about what John does at uh, Municipal Solutions with his team.
2: Yes, I'd be happy to because the Muttonator has been our presenting sponsor uh, really since near the beginning, and we want to thank him and the gang for that. Of course, the Municipal Solutions team – uh, offer development services and project management for you. They offer development help with development approvals and permit expediting, planning services with municipalities, engineering services, architectural services. If you have a minor variance or a land severance issue, they're very good at that. And of course, they will help you with building permits. It's all available. Go to municipalsolutions.ca.
1: And don't forget, you can find exclusive content, including episodes of our program and another thing that you cannot find anywhere else, by becoming a subscriber to loonypolitics.com. Use the code podcast to get 50% off an annual subscription. That's looneypolitics.com. Okay, I'm excited for tonight's guest. And, you know, today, before we get to our guest today, I made the mistake of watching uh, all the coverage in Ottawa, but I made the mistake of watching the CBC and I'm going to say right now, like, I don't know who this guy is. Maybe <laughs> our guest knows him and he he might have a different view, but I was listening to that David Cochran guy all afternoon and I wanted to throw up in my mouth, but I <laughs> oh, no. was saying, it was like, I, I just, I was shocked by the angles this guy was taking. And again, state run broadcaster, we fund it as a country. I don't know why we do that. Uh, but it was, uh, it was horrific to say the least so anyway I, I i just had to get that off my chest because i, I just couldn't stand it i literally almost threw up and not for i the
2: i i get it i get i i don't uh, put myself through that and i'm a better person for it for mental wellness reasons so uh we all handle what it me not ways. watching
1: the cbc you mean? <laughs> yeah i don't i don't oh. watch it ever <laughs> <That's hilarious. laughs> or
2: Sorry. listen to cbc radio for that matter so they're uh, there we have it. It's just like my tax dollars go there and I'm getting nothing back. Absolutely nothing. But that's how I handle it. Now, and we should say to our audience, obviously, this has been uh, taped at a time uh, of high drama on uh, on uh, Friday night. Uh, and, of course, uh, th- it'll be Tuesday before you get it. But uh, uh, just give us a little bit of grace there because there might be some news after. We have taped, but I think there's a lot going on, and it's perfect that we have our guest with us today.
1: Yeah, so let's go ahead.
2: Yeah, so we have Laurie Goldstein with us today. He is the Senior Associate Editor at the Toronto Sun, of course. He's been there for many, many years. Uh, He is a member of the Canadian News Hall of Fame. Welcome, Laurie Goldstein.
0: Thanks, Tony and Jody. Happy to be here.
2: Well, it's great, to, great to have you. And it is a day of high drama, of course. And first of all, uh, just tell us what you're thinking. Tell us. I know you've been tweeting up a storm, and I'm sure uh, writing up a storm as well as uh, with the uh, creation uh, or the announcement of the Emergencies Act and all of the things that have gone on. So, this sock it to us. Tell us what you're thinking.
0: Well, the first thing is because it's happening right now, and I think there at this point there's been a hundred arrested, and you know. Trucks, you know, being towed. First thing, of course, look—we all hope this resolves peacefully. Um, and there's a danger that it won't. Uh, but to me, this is just a symptom of our prime minister, who, from the who, during the election, weaponized the whole issue of vaccine mandates, and yeah. this has led to an inevitable conclusion he started out by saying he didn't want vaccine mandates because he thought they were divisive and he didn't want passports because he thought they were divisive. Then he flipped. And then at the start of the campaign, when there were the first disruptions uh, by protesters, he still took the high road. I think it was, I've not work on this. It was about August 27th. It was the Bolton um, uh, place where his campaign was disrupted. Right, I remember that. Yeah, and he came out and he said, look, look, these people are are, are you know, fearful and we're all fearful. And I realized that, and we have to, we have to, what was this phrase? We have to answer anger with compassion. So that was good. Right. And three days later in Sudbury is another um, campaign meeting and they, and they don't shut it down. They're just yelling from a distance. And y- you can see it on YouTube. He just tears into them. He just, um, he starts talking about what about the right to protect my children and Aaron, he does, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a, you know, he's dramatic. So he does his thing with, um, and Aaron O'Toole uh, supports them, um, you know, and Aaron O'Toole, you should correct them. And you're sitting there going, no, well, wait a minute, Prime Minister. First of all, as soon as the Bolton thing happened, O'Toole came out and said that was wrong. That right. you don't, uh, so did the Toronto Sun we said, look, we disagree with the prime minister, but you don't shut down his things. You, you don't, you know, you, so there's security concerns. So so he misrepresents what O'Toole was saying. What O'Toole was saying was not that he supports anti-vaccination. He was saying that people should be given the choice of being vaccinated or having daily tests. Right. And from there, Trudeau just consistently escalates it. Next, it's that they're um, racists and misogynists, which of course dovetailed into these protesters who are white supremacists. And it's like, well, what did he think was going to happen? You know, people have been, it's easy for politicians. It's easy for people like me who can work at home and haven't lost a day's pay in two years. But there are a lot of professions where people are hurting. And the government help was good, but it didn't make up for everything. And small businesses collapsing. And then he tells, I don't know what they're thinking. 90% of our truck drivers cross border are vaccinated. Right. And suddenly there's a great concern about 10% of our taxpayers in the United States uh, sorry, of, of our truckers. And then the United States is 50 to 60% are vaccinated. Suddenly there's this great concern that they're super spreaders of COVID going back and forth across the border. So the son asked, well, well, wait a minute. These truck drivers were exempt for the first year of the pandemic. And they were
2: our heroes.
0: There were no vaccines. Yeah.
2: Uh, They were our heroes uh, bringing the goods to us in these times of peril.
0: And so there were no vaccines. So what is your evidence? You know, you're always talking about following the science and the data. What is your evidence That with 10% of these people in Canada not vaccinated and maybe 40% in the United States, that's going to cause a problem. Did it like did it cause a problem when none of them were vaccinated? And the government has never offered that information, which means obviously they didn't have it. You know, I mean, they didn't even think of it. And then they talk about okay, now we're going to expand that to to interprovincial. And you just sit there and, and like look at the political capital that has been spent on this the disruption in Ottawa for 3 weeks the yelling and screaming meanwhile we have real issues to deal with such as inflation such as Putin may be about to invade Ukraine and to me this is always what it's like with Trudeau by his own i don't think it's incompetence i think he does it deliberately but by his own his desire for to to appeal to that small slice of voters that now vote liberal uh, you know, the yeah. lowest number in Canadian history, um, lowest percentage of popular vote in history uh, won the election. Uh, his former Eminence Greece, um Gerald Butts, brags after the election about their brilliance in carving up the country into little slices of support so they could extract the maximum number of seats from the minimum number of, um, of votes. They did very well. Uh, this was the lowest level of popular support for a a government in history for the second time they lost the popular vote to the conservatives, and in the last vote it's now the second lowest time, lowest. So this is this is a politician that doesn't have moral stature with Canadians. Um, even when he's the when he, when he's the prime minister, only one in four people say he's the best prime minister. Now there are other issues there about the opposition, but I guess all I'm saying is that I'm I'm disturbed by what's happened. Um, it will be over. I mean, like the you know the police will shut this thing down. Sure. And then we will have weeks and weeks of debate, and then there has to be a public inquiry. But I, I just think this whole trip was not necessary. Had the prime minister done his job of trying to bring Canadians together in a very tough time, rather than drive them apart.
2: Well, and this goes into the whole debate that should be happening and uh, I I suppose in wider society is happening, although they cancelled the debate today, Friday in the House of Commons to accommodate the police action, but about the Emergencies Act and whether it was appropriate, whether this was some great threat to Canadian society that dictated that the Prime Minister should and could invoke the Emergencies Act. And, uh, you know, uh, listen, uh, as as soon as he did it, there was a, a, a big chunk of the population that said right on, you know, here's decisive leadership. But as as the threads start to pull on this and I, I'd love your comment on it, Laurie, uh, you know, as as bank accounts are seized, uh, as uh, the uh, the government directs police and let's 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 be honest, uh, government doesn't get to direct police except in an emergency because you that would be the mark of a police state where the government says you go out and arrest those people. That's a police state. The police decide who to arrest, not the government. So now now that has changed uh, with respect to this uh, makes it an element of martial law. So t- tell us a little bit about your thinking on the Emergencies Act and uh, and, uh, you know, uh, whether this is a precedent that we really didn't want to see in this country.
0: Yeah, well, look, I agree with the Canadian Civil Liberties Association, and I think it's the Canadian Constitution um, Federation that are both challenging this now. They're asking for a judicial review. Um, what, what I don't understand, basically, this is being used now to clear out some protesters from Ottawa. Right. That's, that's not specific. That's not targeted. Well, it is targeted and specific, but the law applies to the entire country. So let's look at a few scenarios here. You decide to donate to this freedom convoy in the early going when politicians are saying we respect the right to civil protest. Even the liberals said that. You donate to it. And then the government says, after you've donated to it, that, oh, this is being funded by bad actors in the United States. And who knows where else the uh, the money's coming from. So we're going to invoke the Emergency Act. And then we're going to tell the banks to look at who donated to these Causes and then based on I take it RCMP investigators telling the banks what to do. Um, we're going to freeze your bank account if we think that you were somehow nefariously involved. And then now what we've had is that we have, for example, a, a an aide to a cabinet minister in Ontario donated hundred dollars, just lost her job. How did they know that she donated it? Because um, some hacker leaked the names of the people. Uh, huge numbers of people who are being, and now they're leaking out. And so now we have the media using stolen data, which is what, which is what Jack data is. And and we're doxing people. And now they're losing their jobs. I mean, that's ridiculous. It's like, what are we thinking in terms of, I do agree that most people, yeah, they want this to end. So if you say to them, well, the emergency powers will end it, it'll end. But let's look at that rationally. The most serious thing they've come up with is out of Coots, Alberta, where they found a catch of semi-automatic weapons and all those things. And that was, you know, good for the RCMP, good work. Right. They did that without the Emergencies Act. Right. Police have all kinds of powers that they can use without invoking the Emergency Act. City councils have all kinds of powers they can use, but all that's ignored in the idea that well we have to have the emergencies act now the ambassador bridge how did that happen well that was the ontario invoking the emergencies act for a very specific reason they said if you're if you're screwing up this bridge you're going to be uh, you may lose your license if you're a truck driver you may be right huge fines so okay that's specific and it's targeted right We got to get this bridge open. It's three to four hundred million dollars of trade every day. Um, uh, Ontario auto plants are having to shut down. Um, Okay, that I get. That, you know, okay, Ontario initiated it only for that area and only in the province of Ontario, and it worked. It worked. So, are you telling me that with the powers of Ontario's Emergency Act, which would at least confine it to our province? That they didn't have the power to do what's happening now in Ottawa, that we had to invoke the federal, never before invoked in the 34 years since it was passed in 1988. No other government thought that was necessary. For example, during the Montreal student riots um, that went on for for a month, nobody thought. Now, I, I believe Quebec did invoke its own emergency. But you see, this is the whole point. The, all the, all the groups that are going to challenge this are going to say it is not targeted and specific. The act applies to the entire country, huge parts of the country that are not involved in this at all, um, and and that's the the danger. And of course, the other danger is once you use it, they're going to use it again. It's going to be yeah. inevitable. Um, and uh, and to me, this is just um, I understood why his father. Pierre Trudeau, in like the liberals are always, that's Pierre Trudeau's one black mark, that he invoked the War Measures Act, which is what the Emergency Measures Act w- replaced. Right. At the time, I thought, wait a minute, you've got a British diplomat who's been kidnapped. We have a Quebec cabinet minister who's been kidnapped. We later found he's dead. The FLQ, the separatists were blowing up mailboxes, and I believe a child had been killed. And right. Quebec was asking the federal government to intervene. I thought yeah,
2: that was appropriate. Uh, yeah, Robert Bourassa, the Premier, yeah.
0: Well, no. I thought that was appropriate. Now, to be fair, the Premier of Ontario did support the implementation of the Emergencies Act, but other Premiers didn't. Did not. And so now right. they've had this thing imposed on them. And again, now you have provinces that supported it, provinces that didn't. I think this is going to be a major fissure in the history of Canada, and this is going to be a um, something we're going to look back on. And I think a lot of people who describe themselves as progressives are going to wonder a year or two from now, okay, let's get this straight. You voted, a quarter of you in surveys said you wanted people who weren't vaccinated to be jailed. You wanted them to be a uh, special tax imposed on them. You know, that was uh, Francois Legault in Quebec, his flyer, and then he just cut it out. Um, well, who are these unvaccinated people? There have been studies of that. They tend to be people who are members of racial minority groups. Statistics Canada said two of the main groups were Métis and Black Canadians, who guess what? Have very good historical reasons to be suspicious of government, saying they're going to come in and make everything okay. We also know that there was a huge contingent of people who were not, you know, not radicals, you know, some of these people in this Ottawa protest, yeah, they're bad actors. We all get that. But but the vaccine hesitant were not all those people. They were people who, I, I mean, for heaven's sakes, Abacus Data, Abacus Data, hardly an anti-Trudeau uh, pollster, said that that millions of them, they're not crazy. They don't believe in a conspiracy theory. They, they don't like to put anything in their body that, that is not natural. Um, they're afraid of needles. Um, and they may have other reasons why they. And so we took those people and we, who had done nothing wrong, who had committed no crime, um, who were supported by the prime minister initially in saying, no, you don't have to get vaccinated because we don't do that. He said that specifically. He said, we're not a country that, you know. And so we took those people, we ostracized them, we used them as punching bags, we confused them with people who are bad actors, who are a very small minority. Um, uh, of that group, and not all the people in Ottawa were bad actors. You could see that, and sure. so and so so great. You know, well done, well done. We, we, well, you know, uh, and,
2: and there's a couple of a couple of uh, strains on this, but uh, I I'd love to get your comment about. Uh, we'll move off Trudeau, I promise. But uh, I I thought it was pretty reprehensible in question period last Wednesday when uh, Melissa Lantzman, uh, the MP for Thornhill, asked him about. Uh, you know his position on the emergency and and uh, restrictions, and uh, he immediately threw back at her, basically insinuating that she was a supporter of the swastika and she's a Jewish MP. And uh, so th- this is this is the level of debate in our country, right? It's it's pretty reprehensible. Oh,
0: you know, it's called Godwin's law. You know, the first person who mentions Hitler loses the debate. Yeah, her, um, yeah, exactly. Her question was. It was similar to the now. You, you look. It was a she's smart, and it was a political question. You know, she was she was drawing on things that I've referred to. Well, you know, initially you said all these things about it's important to recognize dissent, and it's important that we not um, you know go overboard in these things. And then she quotes the stuff that he's been saying lately about you know everybody who disagrees with me is a racist, yada yada yada. And she said, "What changed? When did you change your views?" And then she stands up and goes. He didn't say about her. He said, "You conservatives can basically stand with the swastika and the Confederate uh, uh, flag," and you know. So the editorial we wrote said, "Well, wait a minute. She's essentially saying what the Canadian Civil Liberties Association is saying in its brief, asking for a judicial review." The Canadian Constitution Federation says that you've you've done this for political reasons. You didn't need this act. You've done it for political reasons. So. Are they friends of the swastika? Um, it, it, it was such an absurd thing for him to say. And then not to apologize. I mean, even the speaker, who's a liberal, yeah. Said, yeah. said to the Parliament, look, everybody, and he included the prime minister, let's not use that kind of language. In other words, could we just try for a minimum of decency here? And more telling to me is, okay, you say that and you shouldn't have said it, and you know you shouldn't have said it, and she asks for an apology, and B'nai B'rith says to the prime minister, look, we we are the people who are really opposed to swastikas, but your implication that this Jewish MP descended from Holocaust survivors, your suggestion that she somehow supports, forget the swastika, she supports Nazism, she supports Hitler. She supports the perpetrators of the Holocaust, um, to say that, and then not to apologize, not to have the grace to get up and say, look, we all got a little excited here. I disagree with everything, the way you, you know, phrase the question to me, but I apologize. I should not have said that, but, but that's, this is a weak person, you know, it's strong people who can apologize. It's strong people who realize when they're wrong and they say, Hey, I was wrong. Um, we people don't. People who are full of pride and not a good sense of self. No, because they couldn't have made a mistake. It had to be everybody else who made a mistake. And we've seen this with it's, our prime minister over and over.
2: Yeah, no, it's very strange. He's got he's got Look, we all have character flaws. I'm, uh, I, I'm, I that. count myself in that in that category for sure. Um, but we're, we're certainly seeing some of his character flaws in uh, in uh, flashing lights here, and uh, that was certainly a day where he did not distinguish himself. I want to talk about the media a little bit here because you you reference the doxing that is going on where they're exposing these uh these people in good faith who had who had given to what they thought was a an important cause and you know we we've got that uh, uh gelato maker in Ottawa who was in tears because of all the threats mm. made against her and her shop uh because uh, she was exposed as one of these uh, donors I mean is this where our media is now? And that, how do you and, and broaden it out? And uh, the conduct of the media throughout this whole crisis, uh, I'd love to get your point of view on it.
0: Yeah, well, okay. First of all, I'm part of the media, and there'll be people who are as upset with the Toronto Sun as they it for different reasons than the the CBC. Um, the specific one, the first one where I saw this was happening, was this aid to one of the Ontario cabinet ministers, and there I fault the Ford government what are you panicking over right she made a hundred dollar donation like she's an aide to one what are you what are you doing like like just yes she did it we've talked to her she knows it's wrong she's apologized uh you know she's getting the money back and she's not sending it out anywhere but to to fire like what for for what was she saying that she wanted the $100 used to buy bullets to kill people? Was she saying she wanted the 100 She said at a time, as I said, where all kinds of politicians were paying lip service to the idea that, oh, we, we respect protest. In terms of the media coverage of it, uh, I want to be careful here. I guess I think there's a lot of good reporters on Parliament Hill, excellent reporters. I'm not sure you want them covering a street demonstration like this. Um, Oh, what do you mean? Because because they're they're political reporters and they're attuned to what the government says and and also what the opposition says. Um, I mean, in terms of, of understanding, okay, what is really a threat here on the streets and what is not. The fact that on the first day there was a Nazi flag. And there was a Confederate flag with a truck in the middle of it. How many times did we hear that? If these people a, a, a were Brazilian like, <laughs> if yeah. these people were like what happened on January 6, 2021 in the United States, right? Or in, you know, that horrible white supremacist thing, and was it Charlottesville, where, where these yeah. idiots are marching saying the Jews will not replace us? OK. Then you've got a concern that this movement has been taken over by, by radicals. And what did they do? They stormed the seat of government in Washington, D.C. Did that happen in, in Ottawa? Like It didn't come close to that. What? And as these convoys were coming, you were getting this in the media, fed by their government sources. This could be another January 6th. Well, it wasn't another January 26th. To imply that it was is absurd. It's not going to end the way January 6th went. They never tried to storm parliament. Um, a lot of them may have been rude and racist and the horn honking was was wrong. I get that. But why wouldn't you, if these horns are going off over and over every night, and I agree, that is a that is, you know, come on, guys, like, what are you doing? A twenty or twenty-one year old young woman and her lawyer have to go to get an injunction. Where was the city of Ottawa? Yeah. Like, 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 and why do you need an injunction? They were violating the anti-nose bylaw, and so you know, I, I just what I all I would say about the the media coverage is that I thought at times there was a lot that was legitimate, but a lot of times I thought there was a bit of pearl clutching. And I say that having been in Northern Ireland when the troubles were on. And if you want to see a riot, <laughs> you know, that's the place you go to. I was in um, in Seoul, Korea for the Olympics. And it was funny there because my family was concerned because they were showing these pictures of, of these Darth Vader-like South Korean troops. And the students are throwing Molotov cocktails at them. And I'm telling my family, yeah, but that's 20 20 miles away from the main site. In fact, what the demonstrators have agreed is that they're, they're going to um, protest the way they do, but they're not going to disrupt the games. And, hmm. and compared, to my, compared to my, like, I'll give you an example. The person I would have wanted there to cover something like this would have been the late Christy Blatchford.
2: Yeah, she that would be great. That's great, great idea. World.
0: She's been all over the world. She knows, right. you know, she has perspective about these things. I see and what you're saying now. now, yeah. And they're also good street reporters. They're also good, good crime reporters in every country, or in every every province, in every paper, right? Who who have experience with these things and can at least put it in perspective. That doesn't mean that there shouldn't have been concern about what was going on in Ottawa. Of course, there should have been. Um, uh, you know, the, the police are laying charges, but you know, look at the charges. They're not espionage. They're 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 mischief. Mischief. They're, um, yeah. You know they're they're municipal bylaw fractions. So how that trumps up into, you know, this could be January 6th, or or even it is January six. I didn't understand from the beginning. I just I just was watching it. Going, really? Did you not see what happened on January six? Did you see anybody from those demonstrations trying to storm Parliament, trying to chase down people in the Senate chamber or Parliament, like like. What are you, what are you watching? What are you watching?
2: Uh, Jody Jenkins, are you still with us?
1: Yeah, yeah I'm <laughs> feeling better. I was able to eat a sub there. I was okay, enjoying you the ate conversation. A sub. <laughs> yeah, well, I was enjoying the conversation. Hey, Laurie, um, a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek question here, but this is one that we haven't asked in a while. We used to ask it uh, to some of our guests when we started the podcast uh, a couple of years ago. But Dan Albus, who you know, is, a, is an MP at West and uh, you may or may not know this, but he is uh, very proficient in the world of mixed martial arts, MMA. And we asked him, like, who he would like to roundhouse kick in Parliament. And I believe, well, who What was it? Who, was it Ralph Goodale?
2: Was it that was Ralph was it? Goodale.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah, Ralph yeah, Goodell. Right. So, if you feel comfortable, you don't have to answer the question, but is there anyone in the media world that you'd like to roundhouse <laughs> kick if you could?
0: No. Um, there's no particular <laughs> individual. Um, but, but, and look... We all have faults. The sun, you know, for, for us to stand here as the purveyors of perfect journalism would be absurd. Um, uh, but, 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 I, but I just, um, I don't like to pound, but, 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 you know, I do agree that, that watching, watching the CBC's coverage sometimes, I'm like, okay, could you not find anyone who sounded rational to talk about, to talk well, that's about that's one of the
2: critiques. Yeah, you're right.
0: To talk about why these things. Well, well, you know how it is that they have a university professor doing the gun control law, right? Yeah, yeah. and yeah. then they have, and then they have some person who is very sincere, but is not articulate in that way to discuss. Well, why we think it's an infringement on rights? So, so it, it would it would just be that it, it, it's. Did, could you find no one who might have talked about how do we get to this point? How do we get to the point? Uh, that was my fascination with Trump always. Same thing, just pounding and pounding and pounding on Trump. And nobody really seriously going, how did we get to this point? Why are we so divided? Um, yeah, and, so, and
2: so, you know, I, I, I think is, of people like Matt Taibbi. I'm a, I'm a huge uh, fanboy for Matt Taibbi. And here's a guy from the progressive side of politics, who is a journalist, who actually did ask those questions, Laurie, about uh, Trump and, and the kind of people that were attracted to Trump and why they existed because they were being ignored by both parties in Washington, you know? Yep.
0: And like, I remember the same situation here. Well, when I was writing about, about more of the vaccine, the vaccine anti-vaccine stuff, and I remember doing a column saying that, um, both Ford and Trudeau knows, they know it was wrong to do what they're doing where they're, where they're, you know, pounding on. And and I mean, the emails I got from people who were like heartbroken, like their, their family would not see them. And they, right. you know, and, and they, and they said, like, I, I said, I, I would, I would take a, I would take a test before I came. I would, you know, and, and just, these people were not radicals. They were heartbroken. And, and to, you know, to pound on those people, seriously, like, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. They're anti-vaxxers. They're crazy. Granted. But that wasn't, this wouldn't have become such a big issue if it was only that. And then the other point there was, could somebody mention that we're at, what is it, 90%, almost 90%? You know, good oh, for yeah. Canadians, right? But the point being, we're among the highest vaccinated in the world. So there is not some particular movement in Canada that is a great threat to the vast majority of people. In other words, you're not going to get more than 90%. You're just not. Show me a country where they got it that isn't a dictatorship, right? Right. So so the idea that there was something extraordinary about the unvaccinated people in Canada as opposed to anywhere else in the world, it it was absurd. And to me, all of that was lost. It was it was you could see it in the polls um you could you could see it like they're bad they're they're evil uh, we should tax them we should uh, jail them we should fine them um, amongst people who call themselves progressive I I, I don't understand well that that's my hear. last
2: question because uh, you know this is this is the curious thing. I, I guess I'm showing my age, but I'm old enough to remember when progressives and liberals were the most vociferous defenders of civil liberties. And I, I we've entered this looking glass world where I don't know whether it's situational ethics or uh, I'm not sure. I think that's what it is, quite frankly, but uh, we're in a situation where uh, these liberals of the tw- of the 20 uh, of you know 2022 are the ones who are you know quite blithely interested in trampling on civil liberties and you know you know this Laurie, but if if 90% of the population agrees with a protest well there's there's never going to be an issue but you know our civil liberties laws are in place to protect the minority who may be despised by a good chunk of the population uh, and, and still want to protest. That's, that's what our laws should be protecting.
0: Yeah. I, I I'm mindful of um, Alan Borovoy, who's passed away now, was the. Uh,
2: great, great, he, great he, mind. He, great he, mind.
0: He, and I remember I was at, at a talk that he gave once and he made, he, he, he was right on this issue. He said, you can start with the best intentions to protect everybody, and to protect minorities by restricting rights. He said, inevitably, it's going to backfire. Inevitably, the people you tried to protect are going to be targeted by people using the things you thought would protect them. And and look, there's one, if there's one politician I applauded, it was that liberal MP who came out and just said it. He just came out yeah. and said it. You know, he said, we started out on the right note, on this thing, like we're all in this together, and then we used it as a wedge issue. And he meant his leader, Trudeau. We used it as a wedge issue, and I was very like that to me was political courage. You know, that's the courage of a Jane Philpot or a, of a, a Jody Wilson-Raybould. So of course they're no longer in politics because there's no place in, in politics for people like that. Um, and and yeah, it, it's it's that. I think I think it's exactly how it's situational exits. If I agree with the cause, then I don't care what wrong is done as long as it backs my cause, right? Right, so, yeah. And look at this prime minister. What did he do after the residential school? They found these um, unmarked graves and they were unmarked graves. That's what indigenous leaders called them, not mass graves, which is an entirely different thing. He talks about these churches are burning and he says, well, it's understandable. And his, you know, Mr. Butts says, it's understandable. And, and what, no, no, what happens then? It was indigenous leaders who came out and said, we do not agree with burning churches. Number one, many of our religious symbols were burned um, you know, w- w- when, when massive settlement happened. It was wrong then, and it's wrong now. And they also said, many of us are Christians. And so now yeah. you're victimizing us twice. Because these are places of comfort for us. And and so to me, it's like there you have the the community that has been hurt. And not just over that, but over centuries of abuse. And yet they have the wisdom. there Because I was looking at their leaders, one after another. They didn't say it was understandable. They said it was wrong. That's what we need in a prime minister. But we don't have it. We have a guy who, if he, if in his head, it's somehow he's sympathetic to it, and uh, then, you know, well, this is a lesson we can learn. If he's not, then he's bringing down the hammer. And that's not, those kind of leaders to me are not good for democracies.
2: Yeah, Joel Light Light Pound was the MP or, you know, right. were thinking of. Yeah, Laurie. Yes, That's just right. to make sure we get his name in there. This has been a fascinating talk. I uh, we're out of time, but uh, Laurie, uh, I'm glad you're writing about it. I'm glad you're thinking about it. It's a, it's a very important time for our country. Uh, however, it ends on Parliament Hill the debate will continue and it will be a very important discussion for all of us. So thank you for, for writing about it and thank you for being part of the discussion today.
0: Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it.
1: Yeah. I didn't know that this was what, this was (laughs) what it's going to look like.
2: (laughs) Well, this is, it's all, it's all great in theory, my friend, but uh, in practice it looks pretty ugly to me. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Anyway, all I know is that if he throws if there's any tear gas or anything thrown; those images are going to haunt Trudeau forever. Yeah,
2: well, so, and and uh, you know, it's this is probably the biggest thing that's ever happened on his watch. Uh, it, it's a it's a defining moment for him as well as the country. So this will not be forgotten.
1: Okay, so let's wrap it up here. Oh, I Three. thought we were <laughs> sorry. No, sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> I thought, I thought that you thought that actually, whether you yeah. answer that questions. So, okay. <clears throat> in three, two, one. Excellent discussion with Lori there. Lori, um, yeah. I wasn't able to jump in with more questions.
2: I know you're hurting. Uh, so thanks yeah. for doing, no, actually, doing the podcast. Better. Uh, good, good, good.
1: Feeling well, better, I'm sure.
2: So. I'm sure our uh, listeners are happy to hear you're going to be in good shape.
1: <laughs> I'm sure. Yes. I'm sure they're uh, fingers crossed, pulling through. <laughs> And, yeah, uh, sure they making are. Sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, and Laurie, you can find like, does he do a? Is it a weekly column or what is he? I'm trying to think like where where you can see him all the time in the sun. but Yeah, yeah. Weekly, I, daily. Sure at
2: least, yeah, and I forgot to mention, of course, we've had his uh, colleagues, uh, Warren Kinsella and Brian Lilly on our program as well. Uh, so uh, the Toronto Sun has been well represented on this podcast. And of course, Melins- Melissa Lansman herself was a former guest. So uh, we're all over this, Jody.
1: Everybody that's at the heart of this thing, except for Trudeau, uh, is like – been on our show. Like even today, I saw lots of tweets from people asking, where's Pierre Polyev?" and all this.
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Trying to
1: nail him and stuff. So, Hey, if you want to make news, you get on this program. That's how it works. get
2: on this program. We're still kicking after all these years.
1: (laughs) All right. Once again, thanks to John Mutton and the team at Municipal Solutions, proudly sponsoring our show each week as well. Uh, Looneypolitics.com. You can become a, annual subscriber by using the code podcast to get 50% off your subscription and you will have access to exclusive content that you cannot get anywhere else. And cause I know you'd say it if I didn't Tony Zekeagency.com get yourself some merch and uh, you'll be a better person for it.
2: I'm going to order my coffee mugs very soon.
1: <laughs> That's what they all say. I am. <laughs> I <I'm> just get <kidding. laughs> all right. We will do this again in seven days. Enjoy the rest of your week.
2: You too.